Join spiritual feminist and empowerment coach Joni Advent Maher for Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. Listen in for intimate conversations about money, transformation, and feminine sovereignty. And now, your host, Joni Advent Maher. This episode of Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow is brought to you by Grace from Space, a race to save the earth, a cosmic fairy tale for all ages, but especially kids 8 to 11. Welcome to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. I'm your host, Joni Advent Maher, mystic, spiritual midwife, and transformational guide. And today I am so delighted to welcome our special guest, Barbara Glazier Robinson. Welcome, Barbara. Hi, Joni. It's so <laughs> great to be here. Yay! I'm so excited to have you. Let me share a little bit more about the wonder that is Barbara for our listeners. So Barbara is, she's a recovering psychologist, and she has been working with children in one form or another for most of her life. She began her career as a speech-language pathologist helping young children find their voice. And the fascinating thing is, is that now she has expanded that and she's helping women to find their voice. She has a wonderful business and I love this. She says, hello, speaking virgins. She helps women get out of their shell and onto the stage. So if you've been a, what is it you call it? A lifetime listener yes yes a professional listener professional listener go ahead well a professional listener who has dedicated their profession their essence to listening to other people but that other part of you or the other part of me to be honest how to speak that didn't come till very much later Mm. Mm. or the desire to want to speak. I was a listener. That was my role in life. That's how I was. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to share a little bit more later about what you've been up to, but I really want to dive into that because I'm so fascinated that you spent your life helping people free their voice and you were a listener and that just is amazing to me. And and then you became a speaker in your own right or freed your, your own voice. Is that correct? Am I getting that right? That is right. And I would say it was a very unexpected, fierce desire mm. that had been buried for decades that I was clueless that I had. Mm. And how, how did it show up? How did it eventually get your attention? <laughs> I love this part. <laughs> it, got, it got my attention by being outside of my own body. That's how disconnected I was, into somebody else's body. Wow. We both know, I mean, we met at Casey Baker's retreat, and I would listen to her. Mm. 
she would say something meaningful. Oh my God, that is so meaningful. <laughs> but, but she would say something ordinary. She would say like, I want avocado toast for breakfast. And I, I oh my God, that is so meaningful. <laughs> whatever, she, whatever she said, I would start sobbing. Oh my goodness. And it didn't, as a gifted psychologist, I'm laughing. <laughs> it didn't occur to me why I was crying. Oh, wow. So, you know, when I say I was disconnected from the desire, mm. boy, I was disconnected from that desire. Wow. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, I... I have actually had Casey Baker on the show as a guest uh, probably about six months ago, but she specializes in unleashing the brilliance of women's voices. So she, te she has a whole body of work called Women Speak, which is related to uh, women freeing their voices and, and speaking publicly. And so Barbara and I met at uh, one of her trainings probably two years ago at this point. So, so the fact that she was the one that was, we'll say the transmitter for lack of a better word, she was the, the conduit for awakening that is, wow, it, it's just mind blowing to me how, how life works that way. I, at that stage, I, you know, I was in Sedona, she was in Sedona, and I was lost. I mean, I had given up my career as a psychologist, and I kind of expected, you know, I'm in Sedona, it's, my name is Mountain Feather, and I've been called to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was calling me to do squat, you know, because I expected like archangels to surround my bedpost and tell me <laughs> what gig was, you know, oh. and, and, and that wasn't happening. Wow. But what was happening was these strange impulses, like bursting into tears when she would speak. Mm. And the first step I took toward recapturing my voice, finding my voice, was she had this course, speak up for your business. Mm -hmm. I was retired, Joni. I didn't have a business to speak up for. Mm. But, but I just knew that I had to, like I, my heart just followed it like a heat-seeking missile. So I signed up. That was my first step. Mm. Are you there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if I lost you there for a moment or not. So you signed up. Yes. That and was, was there something after that? I, I mean, I know there was something after that, but I didn't know if we missed it or if you were pausing. I, in terms of continuing that journey, I mean, that was like, pivotal to me because after I did that course then I was like following the next golden breadcrumb mm. and the next bre golden breadcrumb I mean during that course I discovered that although I didn't have a business that I was deeply 
affected by injustice to children in the world. I became mm. involved in the world's water crisis. Wow. All the children who died, 6,000, I mean, drinking filthy, polluted, dirty water, giving up their dreams and their education, that became my business. Wow. So I didn't need an official business to speak up for my business. I found my why. Mm. But the next crumb that was pivotal was when I, I signed up for that course, her in-person workshop in Sedona. Right. The, the one we were at together, that one? Yes. I mean, that was the first time I announced, I think the first sentence out of my mouth was, I'm 65 years old and I don't have a voice of my own. Mm. And I want one. I remember that. I re <laughs> and you stood up and applauded. And I said, this speaking is wonderful. You open your mouth and people applaud. <laughs> well, yeah, I was, so, I was so moved by that. I mean, that was such a powerful statement. And, and the fact that you were boldly taking that step and claiming your voice. Well, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. Just was moved, powerfully moved. I wasn't yet claiming my voice. The resistance around it was fierce. And mm. at some point, I'll go into like how hysterical that was, even during the course of that workshop. Yes. Oh, I hear you. I know. <laughs> you know, it was, it, I, this is like too funny not to share. The next day, I mean, I was all jazzed because I had started to speak and women were applauding and I was all psyched. And then the next day she says, um, pray that it doesn't rain. We're going to go on a hike. <laughs> <laughs> and every bone in my body was praying that it would rain cats and dogs. I mean, this fierce, powerful resistance started kicking in. Yes. And then, you know, resistance is like, it, resistance to me is so bizarre because you can recognize every other woman's resistance except your own. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, yours is so authentic. <laughs> and, and so I go on this hike and three quarters of the way down, I quit. Oh. I, I staged a sit down strike. You know, and the assistant director, come on, you're going to miss the afternoon activities. I didn't care. Uh -huh. There was another woman there, and I was just being kind to her. And I said, look, I sprained my, sprained my ankle. I spent six months in rehab. I'm just practicing radical self-care. Mm. And it was radical bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the guys of self-love <laughs> right, exactly and so i'm sitting there the assistant director leaves you know she says we'll come back for you later and i said you know what can be the harm what can mm, be mm. i'm taking care of myself yeah you know and i sat there i mean i was marinating in misery oh who signs up for a public speaking class and then finds himself alone Mm. And so I sit and I sit and I marinate and then I think I'm hallucinating. 
And these two women, I will never forget them, Leslie and Andrew, Adrian, mm-hmm. gave up part of their afternoon. Mm. They personally escorted me down to Casey's home. Mm-hmm. And this time I was so ready to receive help. I was like, yes. And then I saw the true object of my resistance. It was a stage. Mm. The other stuff was baloney or partial mm-hmm. baloney. Yeah. And the peculiar thing, Joni, I was so ready to take that damn stage. I leapt up there. It wasn't even my turn. Somebody else was talking. <laughs> <laughs> I had to I remember. <laughs> right, right. And that broke my that broke my relationship with silence. I gave a little speech. Yes. And I was done. I was over it. That broke the spell. Oh my goodness. Those thresholds that we that we face and that we're called to face can be so menacing uh, as we're approaching. But to, to just what was it like after after you did that? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I was ex- I had never experienced that kind of joy and oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the ecstasy and the freedom of not being bound in those ways anymore. Amen. Mm. So I I want to use this as a, a point to segue because part of why I invited you to be a guest, not that, that, that all that we're talking about isn't enough, but you have even gone the next step and you have taken a, a bigger step to, um, I would say, both be an advocate, ongoing advocate for children, but also to use your voice and your creativity. So I will tell our listeners that you have created a book. You have written a book, your first book, and it's called Grace from Space, A Race to Save Earth. And what I know is that it was fueled by your complete and utter frustration over the situation with the immigrant children being separated from their parents. And I I know you've said, like, tossed into detention centers like sacks of potatoes and that you wanted to create a better ending for these kids. And so can you tell us the, the inspiration, the, your, your Martha Beck inspiration? I was listening to Martha Beck when in the gathering room, and she was talking about that she knows, even though times are dark and bleak right now, that there's going to be this revolution that we're a part of, mm. and change is going to come from the bottom up. And somehow that stuck and that became a a pivotal point in my book. And secondly, she said, when you're deeply frustrated with the world, you create art. Mm. Now I have gifted, brilliant sisters who can transmit Reiki and I've tried, you know, I'm not sure I have the attention span for it. And that's (laughs) the way, you know. But I think we're all asked to just figure out what's my best way? Mm. What can I do? Yes. 
so that was my best shot at creating art to make some sort of contribution out of something creative that I found horrific and intolerable. Mm. Yes. And there's, I, I really love that because it's in so many ways, that's what we're being called to do is, is how to, I would say persevere or or transmute what feels intolerable and art and our creativity and using our voice you know we could rail against the situations and there's a laundry list a mile long of what those might be on any given day we can rail against it till we're you know we're beaten to a pulp from our own efforts in exhaustion but when we can activate and take those energies of grief or pain and put it into creative endeavors or speaking up or advocacy, it, you know, it changes it and it brings a message of hope. So I, I just want to kind of doing the, the bow, the bow to you for that. And, and, and the book is is so touching and powerful. Oh, bless you. Yeah, I just finished reading it. So would you like to just tell the listeners a, a little glimpse? Or I, I, I'm struck by how much the main character, who is Grace from Space, how her journey in some ways mirrors your own. Is that true? That's <laughs> very true. I... Um... You know, growing up in one of those childhoods, quote unquote, mm. when you're just trying to survive, a big part of the book was, well, where do dreams go? You, you're so locked into survival. So I wanted to create this planet where all your lost dreams end up. That mm. they're not lost ever that somebody's listening, that somebody's paying attention. There's a whole planet devoted to listening to your dreams. And that was pivotal to me, to, to, to encourage dreaming big. And, and the idea that no dream is ever lost. Somewhere there's somebody listening. Mm. Mm. And then I really did, the impetus was to create a better ending for kids who are cast in the role of illegal immigrants, you know, that, that I wanted to cast them in the role of superheroes mm. sent to outer space to save Earth kids' dreams. Mm. And that's important. And, and the idea of finding your voice, you know, that was like huge. And the heroines, she has to go to this strange planet. And even before she goes to this dark planet Earth, she has to give a big speech and she's scared. She doesn't know how to, public speaking is her greatest fear. So she has to face her greatest fear. So that was part of it. And then I guess the power of friendship and support, you know, her BFF Connor, <laughs> who, who just, you know, says, look, Grace, there's an ocean of people mm. that dividing people who want to do good things and those who get those things done. And I got to tell you, for most of my life, I've been on the side of just wanting to do it. Mm. 
So crossing the threshold to actually doing it, that feels huge. Mm. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that really touches me. <laughs> how come? Oh, how come? That's a good question. <laughs> There's something about that. I, I don't know. It just brings me to tears. I think it is the the piece that I really resonate strongly with the main character. She's deeply emotional, which um, certainly is can be said about me. And she's very empathic and and deeply caring. And uh, I, I guess it is the place where I resonate with just seeing, you know, seeing the suffering in the world and seeing. Mm -hmm the pain in the world and having a desire to alleviate that and, and knowing, knowing it takes courage. And, and certainly I, I would say similar to you, I've had those phases or, you know, periods of life where I was more on the sidelines and, and now it is part of my, my commitment and mission to be of service in the ways that I can and, and, get things done so to speak so I, I think it's both the um similar to your description of what it was like for you when you went from the the desire to speak to finally speaking and letting go of the silence that that feeling of impetus or powerlessness that maybe I felt for many years in my life and now knowing not that I have a magic wand and can make everything go away, but um, I know that I have my contribution. There's something I can do, and each day I'm I'm doing it as best I can, yeah, uh, uh, and and doing it magnificently. Oh, thank and you. The other thing I would say is that I I never realized how shame. How frozen, how frozen yes. I was, you know. Yes. I mean, why? Why did I create this planet, this magnificent planet that I want the earth to turn into someday? That's my wish. Uh -huh. But it was frozen. It was a frozen planet. Wow. <laughs> wow, said, wow. Oh, of course. All those fragmented, frozen pieces of yourself that were so, you were so ashamed of. Yes, 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 yes. That is, oh, Barbara, we are firing on all cylinders. <laughs> like I just, I said, I just recorded the next podcast, which is all about self-expression and shame. Like the way that shame and fear and how they're bound together, how they hold us back is so debilitating or it can be so debilitating it's not impossible to overcome but it is a mother <laughs> it is a bitch well, i mean totally like i i'm i did this very successful fundraiser for water tanks and i'm sitting on my computer and the snot is just like flowing down i'm, <laughs> I'm just and and in a in a moment of rare maturity i told the my speaking coach that she liked everybody in the group better than she liked me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and 
And it was the first time that I think that, that those icebergs begin to thaw. And what comes up isn't pretty. You know, it's, it, it sucks. Well, it's very, yeah, I, I hear you. You're right. It's when we're in it, we judge it as not pretty, but it's just, it's raw and messy. Yeah. And, and I think I know now, oh, it's just, I think, you know, <laughs> it, it's just the iceberg. It's one of those icebergs that are thawing. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> good for you good for me (laughs) and that poor speaking no Barbara I have nothing but respect for you no you love everybody else you don't love me right which of course is a very young place it's not your adult self it's a very young part of you that's right that's right yeah go ahead (laughs) Those young parts, they haven't disappeared. No. They're just, you know, waiting. Like yeah. the silent alarm clocks that I believe are going off right now. Mm-hmm. I have this amazing piece of art because um, I'm a real art lover. And it's called The Alchemist Awakens Sleeping Beauty. Mm. And I believe that right now there's an army of sleeping beauties just starting to wake up. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what, what do you mean when you say that? I believe I know, but can you say more about that? I think there's a different season for every woman. I think we're called at different times in our life. But I am feeling this intolerable, that it is no longer tolerable. It is no longer tolerable to respond to injustice with silence. Mm. We, I think, as a collective can't do it anymore. We are done. Yes. Mm. So that the sleeping beauties waking up are waking up to to take up their mantle of what is theirs to do or theirs to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In whatever ways feels right to them. Mm. You know, Ray is brilliant in the women who I adore. I don't think it was my path. Right. Right. Well, well there are so many paths and so many needs. And I think creativity has always been my path. Mm. So, you know, an honoring that that's as valid as any other, you know. um, Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. When you say as any other, do you mean like more what we might call, quote, spiritual pursuits? Or is, is that what you're saying? I think so. I think that, you know, I'm. I've been in Sedona now for almost five years and I'm so deeply grateful to be immersed, you know, in a place where I can create planets and I can talk to, (laughs) talk to, and it's normal. I'm normal now here. Yes. But there's a deep part of me. That's a girl from Philadelphia who eats soft pretzels. And I don't really always resonate with, hearing voices or whatever Uh, the culture is 
Yes, having mystical visions or things like that. Right. Yes, I know you went to Br Bryn Mawr, so you're, part of you is still the Bryn Mawr girl. Um, or no? It, it, no, no I, I, I think she's long gone. Mm. But there's a part of me that I think you know, it's kind of, this is kind of a, a a hard thing to admit, but when I was growing up, um, my mom, I came from one of those childhoods with a severely mentally ill parent, which meant if you heard voices, you were crazy. Mm. So, mm. I do have those impulses, those instincts, but there's still something that makes it difficult for me to fully believe and fully connect with them. So I kind of have to find my middle of the way. Yes. Death. Yes. Well, that makes perfect sense. And it, you know, it really is from what my sense is, it really is there's a continuum and there are, um, you know, on, on the ground jobs, so to speak, where maybe we have to interface more. Me, for example, you know, I'm living in a, in a Southern town. <laughs> so I'm about as far from Sedona as you can get. Well, not quite as bad. I suppose it could be worse, but I'm in a very conservative area and it's part of it's part of why I'm passionate about connecting with women in this way and virtually, but, but, you know, we need to have skills to be able to speak to, or somebody needs to have skills to be able to speak to all walks of life and to awaken those sleeping beauties in all settings, you know, not just in Sedona or not just in California or not just, you know, in the places I, that are more open. No, I think that is so true because, you know, here you're very comfortable talking about everything that, you know, is wonderful in terms of spirit guides and this and that. But how about, you know, the people that are still in, in Philly and, you know, yes. living a different kind of life, but still having those same urges? Somebody has to talk to them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so funny because in some ways I've been a little bit of the mirror image <laughs> of, of your experience where I feel like, you know, which of these parts doesn't belong uh, that game. It's, it's more like I have those connections to the mysticism and the, and the visions, but I'm surrounded by people who, um, you know, might think that I'm crazy or not that everyone is. I cer there certainly are pockets here, but by and large, the culture of this area is much more uh, reserved and conservative and uh, cerebral. Mm -hmm. So we're both on the outpost a little bit. Well, you know, it's funny. It's that I'm not totally woo. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm certainly not the woman I was back in suburban Philadelphia. So it's kind of finding out what's in, in integrity this month or moment to moment. Right. And as you evolve, 
because we are we are all evolving. So who knows who you'll be three years from now or five years from now in, in terms of that spectrum. Well, let's do a podcast and figure it out. But... <laughs> deal. That's a deal. Pinky swear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I did want to ask since, and I don't know where you land on this because we've never had a conversation about this, but just in terms of, you know, our podcast is Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow and it's um, this idea of feminine sovereignty. And, and so I guess I want to just check in with you on that whole piece. Like, where are you with the feminine? Is that something that feels like a, a resource, a support, foreign? I, at first, when I hear those words, mm -hmm. um, my immediate response is, oh, that's so fancy. <laughs> what does that have to do with me? Aww. But when I think about it, it has everything to do with me, you know, mm. where I am right now. And those, those, you know, the, the, the old survival, become a psychologist, that whole path is gone. And all mm. I have now are, are those breadcrumbs, you know, that, that are sacred. Yes. Yes, and your willingness to trust and be guided in that way. <laughs> well, when I don't trust, I am so blessed to have these women that come rescue me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's part of it, like the joy of community. And my God, you know, that, that first time when I opened my mouth in front of you know, we had to speak in front of the camera and, mm. and, and yes. got, and I was, I was in the bathroom. I, I was so nervous. I was in the bathroom the whole time. So this amazing woman, Karen, who I won't forget, mm -hmm. she had to show me where my mark was. Mm. She had to show me, remind me to breathe. I forgot how to do that. Mm. But when I opened my mouth, and Casey had created this culture where when I spoke, I could see people were responding to me as if what I said had value. Mm. And that was extraordinary to me. Yes. Yeah, healing, so deeply healing. Oh my God, oh my goddess. <laughs> <laughs> and so, those putting yourself where that following the path of those golden crumb breadcrumbs where that healing can happen, you know, that's the path that I'm on to clear that old invisibility story mm. for myself and for other women. Mm -hmm. That's so important to me. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to say about that? Like, is there something that, you know, the women that you talk to or work with, are there, just is there any bit of wisdom about that that you would want to share with our listeners that's like a standard thing they need to hear or want to know? I believe that 
no matter how disconnected you are or have been from your voice, that it's never too late. And that when you ask for help, it's like Helen Keller and Anne Sullivan, help just comes pouring, mm. pouring towards you. And I just hope that I'm part of that support for women who can use it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I'm struck by the, uh, the ripple effect, you know, the ripple effect of you saying yes, of you being one of those sleeping beauties who, who chose to wake up and say yes and face the fear and cross the threshold. And now you're in a position where you can be of service to others and the way that that ripples out. Um, thank you. And I'm, I'm still on the journey. You know, there's so much more I have to conquer in terms of public speaking. But I do believe I've crossed that invisible line that keeps you hidden. Mm. And the shame. And the shame. Yes. 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 And I want to celebrate that. And don't we all have more ground to cover? Yes, we do. We do. We do. Because we'll be doing it till the day we die. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to honor and mark and celebrate just that huge accomplishment and step and the way that you're, you know, helping other women free themselves. Thank you. Yes. So one of the things that I love to ask my, my uh, guests is from where you are today, from where you're standing, you're and a place along the journey, if you could go back and meet with your younger self, what, what wisdom would you share with her? I think I would tell her that finding your voice is your birthright. Hmm. I heard this brilliant TEDx speech from Joanna Walker, you know, and she talked about, we come into this world as fully embodied voices. When a baby howls, you know, we're not, <laughs> we're not timid, we're not shy. Every fiber in that baby's being is connected to her voice. Mm. And somehow we lose that. And the journey to get that back, man. <laughs> but it is our birthright. It is our birthright. Mm. Yeah, I'm just breathing that in, like the potency of, of that and that image of there. You're right. There are no infants that are timid in their in their vocal expression of their need or want or desire. Right. And nobody, and the shocker, when I was like crying those ugly tears, not on the computer, accusing the speaking <laughs> of hating me, you know, nobody wants to go through the world never seen or never heard and invisible. I believed that was a choice that, of course, I wanted that. You know, I, I don't need... I don't need a voice. What do I need 
that for? Mm. Until you do, until you want to speak up for something that's important and you go, oh, <laughs> this Harry Potter cloak of invisibility isn't going to cut it anymore. Yes. Yes, yes. And the the fear or the shame becomes more of a shackle than a protection any longer, that invisibility. Yeah, and, and the story, the lie that I told myself that I chose it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's just not true. Yeah. Right. It chose me early on. Yes. And bit by bit, we can we can all let it go. Because I, I know you're not, you're not alone. We know you're not alone. Mm. In that. It's, it's not what's not everyone wrestles with invisibility, but there are so many of us that do. I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think we're now, because there's a pivotal moment on my planet, which is kind of why part of the reason the book was written, I think we know that it's now or never. Yes. We are being called to step up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't know what that means, that's okay. You get to figure it out. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Just engaging with the inquiry starts things moving and, and starts to bring those golden breadcrumbs, as you call them. And, and, and I believe even just a sense of relief. It's like there's such a high cost we pay for uh, suppressing or. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, goddess, yes, yes. <laughs> So I can't believe we're, we're getting close to the end of our time, but I would love for you, and we will post the link on, um, on the description, but, but just to say, so your, your beautiful book, um, who it's for, if there are moms, grandmoms, aunties out there who who would be interested in purchasing your book for, for their little loved ones or even for themselves. What, what, what can you share about that? I'd love to. Uh, it is written as a chapter book um, for children eight to 11, but every adult that reads it as almost a space spiritual fairy tale can resonate. So, you know, I, the morals I didn't let get in the way of writing a good story, a fun story, you know, <laughs> a story where kids are out in the middle of the night with pillow fights and feathers falling to earth. I mean, that to me is most important. Just tell a fun story for kids of all ages and then bake the, the values and, and the ethics into that fun story. Mm. Yeah, it's, it is, I had tears in my eyes at, at, at a couple of points, and it is infused with the power of love and commitment and service. It is, and it's a fun story, you know, 
as we said before, I certainly could relate to the main character and it's worth checking out. So they can check it out on Amazon, I know. And you have a Facebook page associated with the book. I do. <laughs> and after 65 years, I, I finally have a picture to my Facebook page. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> One small step for womankind. <laughs> yeah, so the Facebook page, if you want to check it out, is Meet Outer Space Grace. And again, the book is Grace from Space, A Race to Save Earth. And it's the first of maybe more Dreamcatcher. Is it Dreamcatcher books? Remind yeah, me. I, I'm going to spend some time um, really honing this one. I'm probably going to do another edit, you know, although. Mm -hmm. The Amazon God is calling me to find that narrow category. <laughs> so that I can have a bestseller. That would be like cool for, I guess, an hour. But I really want to write the best book I am capable of writing. And that probably mm. is going to be another round of edits. Oh, there's more work. <laughs> oh, I hear you. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, that's my goal. I want to write the best book I'm capable of writing. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm so grateful that you took your time out of your schedule to come and be with us and share your story and your journey around freeing your voice. Johnny, it's such an honor. I, you know, mm. I adore you <laughs> and your work in the world and the fact that I didn't have to go to you, to <laughs> me. It was like manna from heaven. Thank you. Well, I think I said in my email to you that I literally was in the shower and I just got, you know, I just got this, like the voice said, contact Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Then my voice is working. <laughs> it was my, my breadcrumb. <laughs> my golden breadcrumb. <laughs> and I, I too want to um, say thank you to our our dear listeners for being with us today and just want to say if you're feeling that inkling or that urge to shift and cross the threshold from listener to speaker know that you can get support you can check out barbara at her website which is barbaragrobinson.com and that too is posted in the uh, show notes but you could reach out to her and or just get support, you know, get support for taking the next step. And lastly, I want to remind you, dear listener, as always, to trust what your heart knows. Thanks for listening to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow with Joni Advent Maher. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. <laughs>